it's my pleasure to be joined by my favorite lieutenant governor, that's Susan Bicewich, who's in town today for a big announcement coming up at Terry Court. Susan, good morning. Thanks for coming in today. Good What's going on at Terry morning. Court today? Thank you for having me. Well, we're going to be announcing $2 million in state funding to renovate the Terry Court housing, which includes replacing windows, gutters, roofing, entry doors, and overhang. We'll be adding uh, insulation, renovating kitchens and bathrooms. Uh, And there's going to be an exterior uh, video security system. So all of these things will be happening, and it's important. And this is part of a bigger program uh, that the governor and I announced to provide seven different towns with renovation for housing. So where is is this actual state money? Is it ARPA money or what's the source of the funding? So it is a Connecticut block grant, a CDBG, Small Cities Program. And so that's HUD. And we have focused this money on seven uh, cities and towns, and Willimantic is part of it. Um, another example is Norwalk, West Hartford, and this is important because um, Connecticut now has become a very popular place for people to move, and the housing stock is in short supply, uh, and we want people to have uh, affordable, nice places to live and You know, here we are in eastern Connecticut where um, Electric Boat and some of the associated businesses are just humming. Thank you, Joe Courtney. And people are coming here. They need places to live. Plus, we've got Eastern and Yukon. They're major employees around here. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's the role of ADA requirements in this? This kind of brings some of those units up to those specifications, don't they? Right. So to the extent that you have people with physical disabilities, people in wheelchairs, uh, they need to be compliant and handicapped accessible. And so uh, the dollars are going to be used for that as well. And we want to say thank you to uh, Senator Flexer and Representative Susan Johnson for their advocacy because there are always a lot of worthy projects uh, but not enough money to tackle every one of them. So tell me exactly what's going on today. Now, I got a release a couple days ago that said it was 10 o'clock this morning, so that dovetailed perfectly with you coming to town to be on the air right now. Exactly. But then another report came out yesterday that said it's at noon, so I'm kind of curious what the actual... No, so it is at, it is at 10 o'clock. The original information, <laughs> what I was given, is what, what it actually is. So, yes. so uh, what are you, it's going to be raining out there. How do you handle that? Just bring umbrellas? Well, uh, actually, I do believe that uh, Mayor DeVivo and Jim Rivers have secured a location within one of the housing units so that we're going to do the press conference inside and then we're going to take a little tour. So this will allow us to see, you know, what kind of upgrades are happening in each of the units. So you mentioned there's seven towns involved. That's right. 13 million. Are they all housing authority areas that get the money? They are all public housing. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, you know, one of the focuses that we will have, because the governor is getting to uh, present his budget to the legislature uh, in February, so we are working on that, but uh, creating more housing in our state is going to be a big focus because you can't grow the economy without 
uh, affordable places for people to live, you know, and we want all of our Eastern and Yukon grads to have places that they can live when they graduate. And the people just geographically, uh, we're talking about the area around, it was Terry uh, Terry Avenue, and now it's Curbstone Way, uh, Ann Street, uh, Hope Street, Normandy Ave, uh, Canal Street. That's all part of that uh, complex that will be getting the $2 million of state money, the Terry Court renovations. You also get around the state. I'm, I'm really impressed. It's like every day you're in some other town. You know, we get you today. Glad I'm to... going to Norwich after this. Yeah, and tell about what's, what's that about. Well, same, same thing. Norwich uh, NAACP uh, annually has a Martin Luther King Day celebration. And I am always inspired because I always hear uh, from Norwich Free Academy and Norwich Public School children and students who are reading essays about the impact that Martin Luther King had uh, on our country. And I will just say I've been reflecting on that legacy. Uh, Martin Luther King died um, at the age of 39. He was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee. And our dear friend, Quentin Williams, a state rep from my hometown of Middletown, was tragically killed in a wrong way car crash um, in the early morning hours after we were all sworn in. Um, and he was 39 years old and also a champion of social justice and uh, for fair housing and voting rights and um, so many other things. And uh, the other interesting thing about Q. Williams is he bought a home in Middletown with his beautiful wife, Carissa, and the home had been visited by Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King had stayed there. It's on the uh, outskirts of the Wesleyan campus, and Martin Luther King had stayed in that home uh, when he had visited the Wesleyan campus. So it's one of those um, interesting coincidences. I never had a chance to meet Q. I wish I had. You tweeted the other day, Q may have taken his, quote, final ride, unquote, today, but there's nothing final in the legacy he has left behind. We will all work together to continue his passions, his priorities, and most importantly, to pass along the joy he gave to so many of us. Did, did you work together on projects with him? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we, we were friends and colleagues. Uh, he held the same seat in the legislature, the 100th district that I had represented and that Matt Lesser had represented. And uh, we worked together on so many issues uh, in Middletown to bring funding to Middletown. Q was very passionate about education. He went to Middletown public schools like me. And one of the things he was really passionate about being the first uh, person of color elected from Middletown to represent uh, our town in the legislature is that he wanted young people to see that they could be leaders. And he was always so happy to visit Middletown High School and other schools in Middletown and show students what leadership looked like. And, you know, with me, a lot of times comes back to sports or especially UConn sports. And when I think of Middletown and Middletown High, I think of Corny Thompson. Oh, gosh, you, I want to. He was he was uh, 
a year or two ahead of me in in school and uh, Middletown has had some star athletes and Corny was was at the top of the list. I remember the first day at Rensselaer Field 2003 I'm driving behind the stadium and the parking for what eventually was a sold-out Rensselaer Field. And he was working for the parking company. I don't know if it was last back parking. then. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, I'm going back there, and I can see him as I approach him. The dude How was, could you miss him? He was 6'7". Six, 6'8". Six, that's six, where eight. I'm going with this. Okay, sorry. And, and I mean, I knew him already from Didn't mean from to bas- shortchange him. Uh, well, maybe now he's 6'7". We all shrink. But, <laughs> but anyway, I can see him coming. I know who it is. And then he basically says, yeah, park over here. And he's such an imposing figure. It's like, Yes, sir. A gentle giant, however. <laughs> yeah, he was great. He was 800 and 1,840 career points at the University of Connecticut. Unbelievable. Another recent story in the headlines is the beginning of the recreational sale of cannabis, and we've got an outlet right here in Willimantic. How has that program gone so far? So far, so good. We're only a few days out, so on Monday of this week, the governor and I talked about the 43,000 convictions for possession of small amounts of marijuana and how those have been erased. And then the next day, Tuesday, we announced uh, that stores could sell it legally. I know you have uh, fine fettle here in Willimantic. I visited a Verano in Meriden. Uh, And it was interesting because being the first day, there was quite a line in Meriden. And I'm looking at your newspaper, and I guess you (laughs) folks had quite a line. Um, And we we told people, be patient. This is going to be around. Um, But we had on Tuesday $250,000 in marijuana sales from the six or seven outlets that were selling to recreational users. And where does that money go? Is it an earmark for one particular spot? So there is, well, it's a business. um, And uh, it's a business that we expect will soon employ 20,000 more people as more of the licensees open uh, their stores. Uh, But there's sales tax that is charged uh, for the sale. And part of that is going to go to municipalities who host the shops. And part of it is going to go to the state. And part of it is going to go to the Social Equity Fund to help entrepreneurs. And there have been over 100 uh, licensees that won the lottery who are now in the process of getting set up. And I did hear the state police have a little concern about this because I guess they don't have a gizmo at this point that can accurately track the level of intoxication. Where does that stand? Are, is, are, are they going to eventually get one so that we know if someone is driving under the influence? <coughs> so the state police have for years been trained in detecting whether people are driving under the influence and that has to do with um, their visual assessment of people you know whether they see or smell anything there's no breathalyzer yet that's available um, across the country to test as there is 
uh, for alcohol. And we have been saying to people, if you're going to use marijuana, just stay at your home. Don't drive. There's been a massive uh, public campaign to educate people that, you know, especially when mixed with alcohol, this causes impairment. And it is a concern uh, because we've seen during the pandemic, there's been a huge uptick in uh, alcohol use and abuse, unfortunately, and substance abuse. We've had more opioid-related deaths. Um, The governor and I and the legislature, though, wanted to legalize marijuana because, first of all, Massachusetts, New York, a total of 20 states have already done so, and Massachusetts and New York were really aggressively marketing. You probably saw last year, right, the billboards, hey, come to Massachusetts, buy cannabis, right? Do we use them as a model for how to do it right? Um, Look, we think that we did pretty well because our lines, there were some lines, but they moved pretty smoothly. We think we have a really good model because we've done what a lot of states haven't done, and that is sold cannabis for medicinal purposes. We have 50,000 medical card holders, uh, patients who use marijuana because of the diseases or the illnesses that they have. So I think we have a very thoughtful program, which is designed to protect people. Because right now, if you were to buy on the illegal market, you don't know what you're buying. And there's a lot of marijuana that's been laced with fentanyl. Well, I also have a couple of friends who use that medical marijuana program, and they tell me it works. You know, it's not just a matter of, oh, let me get high. It, it actually does relieve pain and things like that. While we're on the topic of traffic, I want to go back to Q. And the wrong way driver, perhaps intoxicated, I don't know what the actual cause was, but nonetheless, wrong way. I saw a piece that really got my attention on Channel 30. They talked about Rhode Island has been very aggressive in dealing with wrong-way drivers for the last five or so years. They've only had one wrong-way fatality. I think it was in 2019. And I guess Connecticut is starting to implement some of that stuff. But what I did hear is only on two major highways, like 84 and 91 or 95, something like that. It would not have been on Route 9 where Q was killed. But I'm wondering what Connecticut's position is as we look forward to trying to prevent wrong-way deaths and wrong-way drivers. So our DOT commissioner has a a legislative package that he's bringing forward to be much more aggressive, uh, including allowing uh, cameras at intersections so that people who are driving too fast could be stopped. And we've already started a program of um, installing... Um, better signage so hopefully people can tell problem in the spot where Q Williams was killed there's no guardrails or um, trees in the median and so uh, the other driver crossed through right into Q's path and both of them sadly were killed instantly on a brighter note what'd you do for the governor's birthday on January 3rd ah well the governor is a huge fan of the Grateful Dead, and he has a belt with the dancing bears. Uh, 
And so I decided since that belt has gotten so much social media attention and, and attention from people that I decided to buy on January 3rd for the governor's birthday, the day before the inauguration, the dancing bear socks so that he has quite the ensemble to wear. And, you know, the governor is kind of casual. He doesn't like wearing ties. If I were a guy, I wouldn't want to wear ties either. Um, he likes to wear sneakers and rubber sole shoes, and he always likes to have a little bit of a twist. So the dancing bear socks were the gift that I gave him for his birthday. And I know we're all into music, but he's really big into music in general, not just the dead. Well, exactly. And he is, he's got a great voice. He likes to sing. Uh, and he also likes to play the piano. And you've seen him at the Shabu Theater, right? He also likes to dance, which I personally discourage. But <laughs> and, and when he, I know that does, at does, our... Does Annie like save his bacon when they're out dancing together? Or is she the one that's got uh, the steps? She is awesome. Uh, and every time uh, we have the opportunity to dance in public, you know, like at the Pride of, uh, Parade in Middletown... Um, somebody will take a video and then there'll be all these, stop that, governor. But he is somebody that loves to have a good time and loves dancing. Good stuff. Susan, always a pleasure to talk to you, especially here in Romantic Willimantic. And it's nice to be here with you in person. It's been yeah. a long time. And you're heading over to Terry Court. Is the uh, DOH commissioner coming to this event too today? The original release said that uh, probably... Uh, no. Uh, you know what? We do. She is Sela Mascaro Bruno. We'll be there. Mayor DeVivo, Senator Flexer, Rep. Johnson, and uh, myself. So looking forward to seeing the housing commissioner. We were here, um, oh gosh, a few months ago to announce some of the plans and investments that we've also made in downtown Wyndham. Hey, what's the timetable on this Terry Court renovation? I mean, $2 million ain't chump change. And I'm wondering when the residents of that area, and for that matter, the town, are going to be seeing some of the work beginning. Over the next year. And hopefully it'll be done in a year, but uh, nice window replacement, roof replacement, uh, the ADA compliance, gutters, security. Sounds good. All right. Announcement coming up in about uh, 10 minutes or so, so Susan will get out of here. But it's always a pleasure to see you, Susan. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Wayne. Nice to see you. Absolutely. Back at you. That's the Lieutenant Governor of Connecticut, Susan Bicewich, on WILI.